Good morning. Hey, if you're new here today and you're like, that's the pastor, I feel the same way and I'm grateful that you're here. Why are you guys laughing? That's how I feel. Don't take my feelings away from me. I am super grateful. But here's the thing. Man, God has been moving so powerfully in our services recently. The messages have been so powerful and uh, it's, it's, it's really exciting. So here's the thing. I hope God touches someone today. No, I really do. I believe someone here is going to have a movement in their life that sets them free like they've never experienced today. Not because of anything that I say. I promise you, most of my message is scripture today. That's why I know it's going to be powerful. Thanks, Jen. So let me begin in Luke chapter 7, verse 35. This is an incredible story, and it's powerful because I see my friend do this all the time at this church, and uh, she has some semblances of this. Here's what it says. Luke chapter 7, verse 35. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. That's an unbelievable act of worship like my sister was talking about. And then she knelt behind him at his feet weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And that's where I want to start today. That I pray that God brings one person if this church just touched one person every service for every week, we would have a church that would be so big and so powerful. And I believe there's one person today that's desperate to touch the hem of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit moves in such a powerful way that we're all just on our face before the Lord, experiencing him. However that looks like, maybe that's just in your seat with your hands up, but that's my prayer. Father, I pray right now, your powerful Holy Spirit will just bless and baptize and change change us in Jesus' name because you are here, Lord. Start the movement of eruption in this world from your place. This is your home, Lord. You are our senior pastor, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Today's message is being called to a generous life. When I read the gospel, when I look at what the Bible says to me day in and day out as I open it up, it says that I am called to live a generous life. Now, here's the thing. If I am called from the gospel to a generous life, what's that for you? Yeah, it's you are called also to be generous in your life. And that's the paradox that we're going to deal. It's another paradox. Jeremy coined this, or not coined this, but put this word in the, in the message today. It's called cruciformed. Cruciformed is being shaped because of the cross or by your knowledge and understanding of the cross, which we're going to really explain on Good Friday. We call it Passionate Friday. And there's going to be some opportunity for you to move in this place and experience Christ so that you can have this cruciformed life, this life shaped by the cross. 
We are going through this sermon series called the Upside Down Kingdom. Well, what does that mean? It means like this world, we see this world and it seems like, well, the kingdom of God is upside down. No, the world is upside down and the kingdom of God is trying to right size that. And so we are walking into Easter trying to turn our church upside down so that we can see the gospel the way Jesus wants us to and have this uh, volcanic explosion of the Holy Spirit spill into every part of this community. We're talking from... Thank you. From Westlake to Santa Barbara, from Santa Paula, Fillmore, all the way to the oceans, we want to see Ventura County move powerfully in this community. And here's, here's the purpose of the message. This is what I'm trying to get to. Thank you. Here's the, here's the purpose. Jesus became poor. This is the paradox. So that we might become rich. I'm going to talk to that, and that's where we're going to head to in the text today. We're doing this sermon series heading to Easter, and the first paradox, I don't know if you guys remember it, but Jeremy was there, and like five minutes into his message, he's asking this question. He's like, well, what kingdom do you live for? Jeff's kingdom? I got a... a I got a house. I didn't ever think I was going to have a house, and I got a house, and I've got this little kingdom, and I got a fence, and I got a dog, and that's not the kingdom. That's not the kingdom I'm living for. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm part of a church, and I'm part of the leadership of a church, and the truth is, Journey, this isn't the kingdom that we're living for. There's a kingdom called the Church of Christ that reigns in this world above everything, and it's led by our senior pastor named Jesus Christ. That's the kingdom that we live for. And it's so easy to clap about and get excited about, and it's so hard to live in. And then David, you guys remember David? He came up, and we started this Passion Sunday, and we were like 15 kids away from adopting a whole village in Guatemala. Can you imagine that, that we are going to have a whole village soon by Easter, and we're going to go one day and visit these kids, and they're back on the back table. We're still uh, uh, um, giving you an opportunity, and that's what we want to see today. And David said this, and this really kind of fits our message today. David, Jeremy's application, he was a guy from Compassion. He said this, Poverty is a lack of hope. Poverty is a lack of hope. And that woman that comes before Jesus, she had no hope until she met Jesus at the feet. And she brought the most expensive thing that she had. And then last week, we had this little image here that God has a wonderful plan for us. And that we are this vessel and we're pressed and broken by every side. We are persecuted, but we are not destroyed. Because no matter what happens, what's inside of us really is the blessing. And this is what God is. But here's the paradox. Here's the thing that we see in church all the time. God loves you. I sound like Mr. Rogers. God loves you, kids. And he has a wonderful plan for you, Jeremiah 29, 11. We see it on churches and rocks. But we don't see uh, verse 9 and verse 14 that say, but life's going to be hard. And you're going to have to fight through some moments in time because we are pressed on every side, but we're not destroyed. We're persecuted and we're in despair, but we can rise up because that's what we get to do in the kingdom of God is we rise up because we, church, should have hope that carries us far beyond where we are in this life. And he shines through those broken cracks and holes in our life. 
And today as we're talking about week three of this upside down kingdom, we're talking about are you generous in your life with Jesus Christ? Are you generous? Or are you in a selfish place with God? You know what happens, church? This is free. This isn't even my notes. This is just free for all of you that have come today. The first three years of someone's walk in Jesus Christ, they invite more people than they do the rest of their life. Because we get a little bit older in Christ, we get a little bit self-righteous, and we kind of sit on our hands, and we retire into the seats and go, well, I go to the church, and I give a little bit, and I don't really need to give uh, my soul and my life. I don't need to invite people to church, because, you know, that's already been done. But the truth is, we need more people inviting church, people to church so they can hear the gospel so their life can be transformed like you and our lives have been transformed. So the question is, are you living a selfish life for God? Are you holding on to him and hoarding him? Or are you freely giving him away? That's the question that I have for you today. Today I want to talk a little bit now and in the middle of the message about a poverty mindset. Here's my definition. It's not the biblical definition or the, the, the idea of the definition on, the, web, uh, on the, the dictionary, but it says living a life in the sense of lacking in your life. You have this sense of lacking. Let me give you an example. I don't have my wallet on me. Have you ever, I lived like this for a long time. Have you ever had an ATM card and every time you kind of use it, it says insufficient funds? Really embarrassing, by the way. It's not fun. That's one of the blessings today that I got like 32 bucks in my checking account and I could swipe it up to $31 because I don't want to go negative. But when you live a life with this ATM card and every time you swipe it, you know it's going to say insufficient funds, that's not really fun. Especially when you're at the gas station, you have no gas. That's what we're talking about. We have this poverty mindset that I really can't do anything because I'm lacking. Believers with a poverty mindset tend to live in a life of this insufficient fund mentality in spite of all that Jesus has done. That cruciform life, I'm shaped by the cross. In spite of what Jesus has done, we then need to realize, do I live this generous life or am I holding on and hoarding and wondering why my life isn't so impactful? Your and my, my identity should be shaped by the generosity of Jesus Christ. The, the Bible tells me, so listen, I wake up every morning and I put my headpiece in and listen to the gospel. I read a little bit. And one of the places that I read, John, just I read it yesterday. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you will have a life of abundance. Good job, John. A life of abundance. In spite of who you are and in spite of what you did and in spite of your life, you shall have a life of abundance. But in a poverty mindset, it's so hard to quench that thirst and that appetite from this world. Everything I do, all the work that I do, it's so hard for me to quench that because there's something in between me and God and I lack that and I have this poverty mentality that Man, God's not really enough. When you have a poverty mindset, it usually doesn't mean that you're economically poor. It usually means that you're spiritually lacking in the fullness of who Christ is. Let me give you an example. Let's go back to the text. Luke chapter 7, verse 39. And that's not even the text we're going to read. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians. But here's this part of a poverty mindset. When the Pharisee, verse 39, who invited him, that would be Jesus, he said to himself, who talks to themselves in their head a lot? 
<laughs> he says in his head a lot. And this is what he says. This is, this is the Bible. This isn't me. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Praise God. We're all sinners. That's me. I raised my hand and I'm just like that in his head. And so what's happening is he doesn't see the value of what's happening with Jesus Christ. He doesn't see the value of this woman coming before the Lord and crying and weeping and experience Christ and breaking down this alabaster jar of perfume and giving it to the Lord and weeping on his feet. He doesn't see the value because he has a, a, a tradition and a, 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 a rigorous uh, relationship with God. It's not a real de deep relationship. It's like I do this to honor God. I don't do this because I love God. And so that brings us to the Apostle Paul. So now Paul is challenging a church like Journey in Ventura County that reaches people from uh, Thousand Oaks all the way uh, to Ventura. And he's challenging us just like he is to the churches in Macedonia and the Corinthian churches. And that's where we begin today. And I'm trying to get to verse 9. But I've chosen, as we have all seen over the last several years, that we want to read everything in context. And I just wanted to thank you guys for allowing me to grow up before your eyes and to be the pastor that God has called me to be. It's incredible as we head into this 13th year what God has done with us. So here's what it says, 2 Corinthians. This is kind of where the upside down kingdom, we're going through the book of 2 Corinthians and pulling some text out of it. And here's what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter eight. It says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches of Macedonia and through the churches in Ventura County and all over the world. But he's talking to a specific region that Paul has been and planted and grown. And he says this, he says, I want you to know what's happened. He says, uh, they are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Let's stop there for a second. So here's what we're talking about today. We're talking about a life filled in generosity, a life lived by generosity. That's the mindset, and that's what Paul is trying to teach us here, and he's gonna get to it in just a second. But here's what we see in the first couple of sentences. There's churches in Macedonia, they are poor, they are not wealthy, and they're being tested and persecuted. They're, they're, they're probably dealing with some form of a COVID destroying the church and stopping and the outside religious people kind of thwarting what God is doing. And here they are poor and tested, but they have overcome their troubles because God has created in them a generous heart, creates an abundant joy in their life. And because of that, they live in the overflow. Now, I know some of you are very, and when I say this, this could be very envious, but I went to Chico State. I know not everybody gets to go there. Thanks, Richard. And in this place, there's a place called Butte, uh, Orville Dam. And I don't know if you guys have seen Orville Dam. Right now, it's overflowing. Look at I'll show you a picture of it. Uh, at one point in this dam, there's so much water that it's spilling over. It's supposed to go down in a straight line. 
And I want this image to last because this is what God wants to do in your life. It's supposed to go all the way down, but at the bottom, there's so much water, it's missing the cement, and it's overflowing. And that's what God wants to do in your life when you live a generous life. It spills over into places that only God can take it. And we're seeing a lot of this water. God is doing something new in our county because he wants us to see there's going to be an overflow that all of us are going to experience. Amen. Come on, Holy Spirit. Verse 3. For I can testify, this is Paul, that they gave not only what they could afford, this is crazy, but far more. That's awesome. They did it by their own free will. They weren't forced to do it. They begged us again and again to for the privilege of sharing in the gifts for the believers in Jerusalem. So what's happening now, let's stop for a second. Jerusalem is struggling. It's swelled to this big church. But what happens is if you believe in Jesus Christ, you can't have your old job and your old relationship and your parents have kicked you out and and your family has said, if you're going to follow Jesus, you can't live here. And so the church is struggling. And so chapter uh, 8 and 9 of this verse is talking about getting some money to this church that's struggling and this poor and tested church says he's giving far more then it says they did even more than what we hoped for for first they gave themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them the first thing they did is they laid their life down for the kingdom of God and the second thing is they gave it back to Paul and to the churches that Paul has preached to and that's what he's saying here when we live in this abundant generous life there's overflow like in that dam and it spills out into every part of your life just like the opposite sin you know I, I I was going to say I deal with sinners all the time. <laughs> yeah, myself. Yeah, I, I deal with sin all the time in people's life, and sin spills over as well, right? You know, sometimes we're like, well, that's not, I'm not really hurting anybody. I said, I promise you, your sin and my sin hurts other people. I promise you it does. And so Paul is saying live in, in, a, in an overflow, an abundant, generous life, and we'll be able to do far more than God has ever challenged us. And then verse 6, so we have urged... Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you uh, to finish this ministry of giving. And I'll get to that in just a second. But there's two letters. The first letter to the Corinthians was sent, and they were talking about us. Now this is the second letter. And now it says in verse 7, Since you excelled in many ways in your faith and your gifted speakers, your knowledge and your enthusiasm and your love from us, it actually is translated for us in, in the Greek, I want you to excel in all also, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. And so now we see the Apostle Paul getting to uh, the core of his message. And here's the thing. Somebody here, somebody online has a poverty mentality. And the chains then can come off by us singing and praying and worshiping and letting our mind be free so that we can live and give uh, far more than anything can imagine. And it's not just finance, but it is a part of that as well. Don't, don't limit it just to finance, but I promise you a big part of uh, our American way is dealing with our finance. So here's what Paul is saying. A life of generosity is the ultimate goal. Not just a life, uh, uh, not just a life for the kingdom of God, but Kim said in Romans 12, a life laid out, fully worshiping God with everything that you are. He says, this is the greatest call, and this is what we need to excel in our life. 
And that poverty mentality doesn't allow it to excel because we miss out and we feel less than. Here's what Paul writes in verse 8. He says, I'm not commanding you to do this, thank God. He's not commanding us, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of, of other churches. And so, you know, you know what they always say in church? We're not supposed to compare. Well, in here, Paul's saying you need to see yourself. And sometimes we need to see how are we living and how are we serving and how are we doing? And, and are, we, are we matching what God wants to us? Are we doing what God is calling us to do? Now, again, not a command, but a test of character. Not a command, but a test and a challenge of your relationship. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? And are you a disciple that makes disciples that make disciples? That's what Jesus is doing. And the only way that we can do that is by the Holy Spirit working in our life and challenging us and going, I'm going to walk with this person for life because it's going to get messy and ugly and I'm going to want to step away. But the way that I make disciples that make disciples that make disciples stick with them and walk in that glory. And that's what Paul is challenging us. And that brings us to verse 9. And this is the third paradox. Over the last two weeks, we've been talking about paradoxes, something that seems absurd, but when you investigate, you find out it's really true. It's well-founded and true. And here's the paradox that Jesus says in verse 9. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could become, uh, he could make you rich. So what is Paul saying here? First and foremost, if you know your text, you know your Bible, if you're looking at this from, from the heavenly perspective, he's claiming Jesus as a deity. Because when Jesus was in the wound of Mary, he was not born into the richest part of Israel. He wasn't born into the richest family. He wasn't born going to be the heir to the throne. When he was in the womb, he was coming out to Bethlehem. He was going to be born in Bethlehem. He was going to be living in an area that nobody cared about. He wasn't of rich demeanor when he came into this earth. He was rich in heaven. Joseph and Mary were just average, hardworking people that believed in God, and they did it righteously, and that's why they were chosen. And Jesus came into this world not full of, 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 of money and riches. He's laid that aside, and it says that he was poor so that the poverty, his poverty, can make you and I rich. This is a financial metaphor here and explains how Jesus gave up his glorious honor. He left the, 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 the right seat of God. He came into this world, and he became a lowly human. Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 5 to 10. He became a lowly human so that you and I can become rich by who Christ is. He died, he, he came as a poor slave so that you and I that are impoverished by sin and by selfishness and by death could be wealthy through the riches of God's grace. Your life is shaped. It's cruciformed. I love that word. Now, I, I'm going to put up an identity picture, and here's what we're going to do today. It's going to be hard for you guys because it's going to be interactive. It's going to be hard. Everybody, life's going to be hard, right? But I want to put this identity picture up here. We are all made in, our, in God's image. It says in, in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, that we are, this is our identity, that we're made. But here's what I want you to do. When you read something on here and it, and it sticks out to you, I want you to stand up. So it's going to make you. So I read this and I said, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm forgiven. I'm God's temple. When you read something, I want you to stand up. That really sticks to you. 
Okay, there's one. That's good. This is going to be long because we're all going to have to stand. When you read something, I want you. I'm a child of God. I'm saved. I'm the righteousness. I'm a masterpiece. I'm chosen. When you read something on that list that makes sense to you, I want you to stand up. I'm born again. I'm sealed. I'm powerful. I'm never alone. I'm under God's grace. I'm more than a conqueror. I am a temple. I'm wonderfully made. I'm transformed. When you see something on there that makes sense to you, I want you to stand up. And I'm going to ask for the Spirit of God to sow that into your heart. Father, right now we pray. Holy Spirit, grace us with your presence. We know you are here and I ask that you move in a powerful way so that our identity is forever changed. Lord, create a season in our life, create a moment in our life that is radically transformed, that we never turn away. What is said on on that slide is now forever in my heart. Help us overcome. Break free of that poverty mindset. And let my identity in Christ be forever changed because of today. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. amen. Go ahead and be seated. So now we're standing and believing that this is who I am, that, I, that I'm a saint even though I have sin in my life and I'm standing for the gospel and I'm making this truly a part of my life. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Apostle Paul is talking about money. This is a money section in the Bible. We teach this in some of our financial stuff. Uh, chapter 8 and chapter 9 is finance, but here's the thing. I'm not talking about money because I want you to have more than just the, the concept of money. Money's just a part of it. But in Southern California, in Californians, money's a big part of it. So I don't want to diminish that. I'm not saying God's not talking about your money. But he wants more. He wants a life laid down so that we can become more. And he wants us to see like this woman that, you know, the guy said was a sinner. We're just laid down and giving the glory to God. And... And, and here's the thing. I'm all in for Jesus Christ. I don't know if you guys know that. I'm all in right now. I hope you guys, the response that I would hope to say is, me too, Jeff, I'm in. But uh, yeah, whatever. You can clap for me. Good, good for me. Um, I was at a pastor's meeting. We were part of the CMA a couple, couple of, uh, last week, and there was all these pastors, and we're all in, and we're all talking about it, and I'm telling my goofy stories. You guys know how I am. I'm telling the story where I lost $15,000 on one football game in front of all the pastors, and they're looking at me like, where are you going with this, Jeff? And I'm like, oh, our church is used to it. They can handle my stories. And I was telling them that I'm all in for Jesus Christ. I'm putting my home I'm putting my car, I'm putting my bank account, I'm putting my financial stuff. I'm all in. I'm willing to put it on the line. Not that it's a gamble, but I know that God wants me to live a life of generosity and dangle this out there or say, I'm pushing it all in. And if I lose everything, but I have Jesus Christ, my life is still in his glory and it's his plan. And I will still rise because that's who he is. And the guy said, yeah, we're in too. Cam Community, Dave, Bruce Zachary, Calvary. There's a new pastor at Crossroads, Matt. They're all in too, and we are trying to come together. And and Charlie from Cam Christian and Good Shepherd, they were there, and we are trying to show this community that we are in for the kingdom of God, and we are ready because revival's here. It's just our job to come in and join in to what God is doing. 
And, and as I'm saying this, it reminds me of being in Israel. And our Israel trip was so amazing, but when we came back, everybody got COVID except me. Thank you, Jesus. God anoints the good. <laughs> um, can you guys delete that on the message today? But there was an opportunity on a, uh, on a um, it was like, I think it was Friday morning maybe Saturday morning, and we stopped, and it was freezing, and we go to this place to get baptized in the Jordan River, and it's freezing, and usually the pastor, they give you a wetsuit because you're standing in there, and the water's cold, right? It's cold, and the wetsuit that I had on came up to my chin. (laughs) It was these waders, and I'm like, I'm going to float away, so I didn't put them in. So anyways, we're in this water, and we're there, and somebody was getting baptized, but most are rededicating their life, and the Lord said this, Everybody that goes underwater, have them say, I want more of Jesus and less of me. And we just dunked one after the other. And every time they'd come out, there was an anointing and a blessing because the idea is you go into the Jordan and you get baptized, but more of him and less of me. When we talk about giving, when we talk about being generous, a little bit later, the Apostle Paul writes in verse 13, and this makes me feel really confident in in Christ and the gospel because people struggle about money in church. It's like, well, what are they doing with the money? Are they using it correctly? We use it and do a, 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 a pretty amazing job, and mainly because we have an amazing money person, Heidi Kays, and she gets us straight, and uh, I love every part of what she does. But here's what Paul says, and this should make you feel really confident about the gospel and that it's not all about money. And here's what Paul says. Of course, I don't mean that you should be, uh, that you should make life easy for others and hard for yourself. I only mean that there should be some equity. It's like, I shouldn't give all my money and say, I'm all in, and then you guys take my money and live and go to Vegas and go watch football games and basketball games and cheer, and I'm living homelessly. And they're like, oh, there's my pastor. Thanks for the money. No, there should be some equity. So when you give, you shouldn't give all that you have. You should give so that we can have some equity that you can lift someone up that's hurting and so they can live that same life. I want to talk a little bit about poverty. You know, my, uh, my friend Sharon said and reminded me a couple of weeks ago that journey exists for one thing, to bring freedom in your heart and soul, that the freedom of Jesus Christ can reign in and outside of your life so that you can break free of whatever's holding back. And someone here needs to break free of this pro- poverty mindset. And that's why we exist. We exist to glorify Jesus Christ and allow him to reign in deeper parts of our life. And so a poverty mindset isn't necessarily poor. We just feel that way. And I've been here. And so I'm going to go through a list really quick. Here's a list. We feel as if we have a poverty mindset that we're in survival mode and we can't rest. You ever felt like that? Just can't rest. I'm struggling, I can't rest. And here's what Hebrew says. And I remember teaching on this about a year and a half ago. And here's what the, 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 the book of Hebrews says, verse 4, 3. 
for only we who believe can enter that rest. So you have to be a believer. And then it says, as for others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. I will never, uh, uh, never, they will never enter my rest, even though this rest has been uh, ready since the, the world was made. If you remember that message about a year and a half ago, the Bible says in, on the seventh day that the Lord created rest, and that rest for, was for everyone that wanted to be a child of God and receive and, and accept him as a child of God. And so when I live like I'm always in survival mode and I can't rest, there's some sort of insufficient funds in your relationship because you should have rest if you're a believer. The second one says we feel as though that we could lose anything at any time. You have that mindset. It's like, dude, I could just lose everything. The, the cryptocurrency could wash away. And don't invest in crypto then. Then don't worry about that. So, but you have this concept that I can lose it at all time. And so you're constantly protecting it. But here's what Psalm says. Psalm 103. I love this. From eternity to eternity, from glory to glory, from the beginning and the end, the Lord's faithful love is towards those who fear him, towards those who believe in him, towards those that have an identity in him. From glory to glory, from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love. And then it says, and it reaches their grandkids. And the other translations, their children and their children's children, generations upon generations. The next part says we have to get rich before we feel secure. We feel like, man, I can't really make it. And this is Southern California 101 right here. I, I got to get rich. I got to get my job set. I got to get my wife. I got to get the, the piece of property that I want. I've got to own something. I've got to get deeper into this whole thing about, uh, you know, the, the American dream. But here's what Proverbs 23 says, verse 4. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. You know, Ecclesiastes, we went through it last year, says it's all meaningless. It says, be wise enough, know, know when to tap out. I got a couple of friends that are retiring. and had lunch with a friend that's retiring. And I got a guy in a discipleship group that I'm in. And he's retiring. And he's like, it's just done. I could make more, but I'm done. It's time. It's what we do, you know, it's enough. At some point, you've just got to believe. The other one says, uh, the next one says, this life is just weary. We feel like, man, don't you just feel like uh, Monday morning, it's like, are you kidding me? Like nobody says that. Everybody says that. Are you kidding me? I got to go down the 101. You know what the blessing is? I have not been in traffic in like four weeks. Thank you, Jesus, because my work schedule says I go when I want to go. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. That's so selfish and self-centered. That, that's who I am. But here's the beauty of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, and this is what Jesus says. Here's what he says. Come to me. You guys know the verse. And, and it says that I'm feeling weary and joyless or both. It says, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And be like that woman that brought her jar and laid at the feet of Jesus. And I will give you rest. That rest that's there from the beginning. Take my yoke, Jesus says, and let me teach you. This is something that needs to be taught. You have to learn this behavior. And it says, because I am humble and gentle at heart, that's his identity in Christ, that's our, in God, he's gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls when you allow yourself to give the burdens over to Christ. Come to me, and I will give you rest, and I will take away that. How about this one? We feel as if that we have a habit of coveting. Coveting just means wanting what others have. When we live in the Kardashians and keeping up with the Kardashians, we struggle. And, and they're here, and oh, they were in town two weeks ago. Who cares? 
So was I. But here's what the Bible says. Don't worry about what other people have. Yeah, you don't have as much as other people. I don't have as much as other people. But here's what the Bible says. Here's what Psalm says. I love this verse. Uh, don't be afraid when a, a man becomes rich, when the glory of their house increases. That's what God wants to do in their life. Maybe it's not your life. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. I like this. His glory's not going down with him. The Lambo and the helicopter's not getting buried in there. It says that, it says in Ecclesiastes, it says, you fool, you work your whole life and now your kids are going to blow it away in one night in Vegas. Don't worry about the other people. We deal with coveting and we live in Southern California. They don't deal with this as much in Oklahoma and Mississippi. You see that accent there? That was good. Here's the next one. We feel, this is an interesting one because we don't like to talk about this because we don't want to hoard God, but we hoard God. We feel as if we have to hoard and take care of ourselves and we then lack to tend for others. We got to hoard. It's like, I'm not ready yet. I don't have enough yet. And, 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 and I'm just not ready. And so I'm hoarding. And, and here's what the Bible says. Whoever gives to the poor will not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But here's the scary part. Whoever hides his eyes will get many a curse. But we hoard and we hold on waiting to release and give. And uh, uh, six or eight weeks ago, I said, we need to be loose with those possessions. That's the, go the gospel said that, not me. And here's the last one. Uh, we struggle to bring financial offerings to God. You know, several years ago, and I've told you this story many a time if you've been here, me and my wife were challenged by a couple that came alongside and said, learn to give. And we put in, we, you know, we, we didn't have any money. Liz was going to school and I was making a small wage from um, church and doing some landscaping stuff. And I, we didn't have a lot of money, but we put in a couple hundred dollars a month, which was, was our tithe. And when we did our budget, we were net $36. It was like $38 or $36 below our budget. And I don't know, me and Liz are coming up on 17 years. And somehow, some way, that's never crippled us. If anything, it's expanded our ver it's expanded our money. It's expanded who we are. And for four years, we were in net negative. But somehow, some way, God showed Himself, and it wasn't just through big bonus checks from Vince McMahon. Is it Vince McMahon or Vince McMahon's the wrestling guy? Yes, <laughs> he's got tons of money. Ed McMahon. If you can get wrestling in a message, I should get cheers for that. That's hard to do. Listen, we who are believers are called to this generous life. We are called to live a life out of this poverty mindset. We need to learn. We need to learn to become generous. And we need to have God, invite God into us to help us overcome. When we learn to live and give generously in all that we are, we get to live in the prosperity of God, the God and, and, and the glory of God. And this isn't a prosperity gospel. I'm not saying put some money in and your rent will be paid by Friday. I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you learn to give out of a cheerful heart and watch God over time do something powerful in your life. And it's not just financially, but don't, don't say I'm not saying it's not about money. But it's with everything that you do, this life laid out. And that's what this woman in, in Luke chapter 7 says. This woman brings this alabaster jar of perfume. And you know what that probably is? I don't, this is not necessarily 
you know, perfect theology, but it's probably from her dowry and the way that she's lived her life. She realizes I'm probably never going to get married. And so I'm going to bring it before the Lord because that's the best thing. She's at her last wit's end because every woman would have this jar and be saved and you would get it from your dowry and it would be part of it and it was valuable. And she's like, no one's ever going to marry me. I've given myself away thousands of times. So she brings it before the Lord. Verse 40 of Luke 7 says, Then Jesus answered Simon's thoughts. Go back to the story. He's answering his thoughts. Remember, he says, she's a sinner. What kind of woman? And he says to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. And Simon the Pharisee says, go ahead, teacher. And Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one who he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus says. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she washed them with her tears. And she wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she shows, she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven a little only shows a little love. And then Jesus says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table, oh, you can't do that. And they're in an uproar. And who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And then Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Your generous heart for the kingdom of God has made you who you are. Go in peace. You know what? To be a Christian today is to allow the gospel, what Jesus writes, what Paul is explaining in deep to my heart and my mind and my soul to allow Jesus to transform me. We can come to church and I could just read expository reading and writing and we could just talk and I could give you back commentary that was written hundreds of years ago and we could just be that church or we could respond to the gospel and let it sink deep within our hearts and let it be that cruciformed thing that shapes us and grows us and makes us the person that God wants us to be. Maybe not the person you want to be. Because honestly, when I came into uh, Ventura County and my mom picked me up and took me to court so that I can get my kids back, I didn't, my highest goal was not to become a pastor. It was to live on the golf course and play golf and be a great tither to the church. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make a lot of money and I wanted to be the top tither in the church. That's who I was. And God says, I'm going to do something different. And you know what? I am so grateful that he wants to do something different. 
A Christian is characterized by a radical life of generosity and a quickness to share that life with others and all the resources that we have. Let me give you some takeaway, and I got to do this quickly. I'm just look back at the notes and look back at the message, and here's some takeaway. Here's some things I wrote down. A generous life is allowing Christ and his work on the cross to shape you. That's for someone. The cross should shape you. The second one says, Jesus gave up his heavenly life and became poor so that we could become wealthy through the riches of his grace. Jesus became human, it says. And to be human was to become less than. Don't you feel less than as a human? That's why we jump into the kingdom and that's why we sell ourselves to the kingdom of God and say this is more valuable. That's why I have a laid out life for Jesus Christ. Then the third part says, Christ's generosity should change my identity. I am not Jeff. I'm not Pastor Jeff. I'm not even a Christian, a little image of Christ, because I am no, at no way an image of Christ. If you've seen my life, I, I, I try and live a good life, but I don't feel like an image of Christ. But I do ascribe to this. I am a child of God. And that's my identity, and that changes me. Because that's my inheritance. And that should be our identity. A poverty mindset, another takeaway, doesn't allow me to experience everything that Jesus has for me. Too often we come to church and we just limit our relationship. And it's not because you're doing it intentionally. You just haven't been taught or you haven't opened up yourself. And usually you could be a very generous person and still not give God access to every part of your life. And God wants you to lay your life down. Maybe it's not physically laying down here. Maybe it's just spiritually opening up in your seat or standing up and raising your hands or kneeling or dancing or whatever you knew, but laying your life down and saying, God, I'm not going to limit you another day. A generous life should be a command. If I was God, I would make it a command. Not because I want your money, but I would do it because it would enhance your personal relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And you would live a happier, beautiful life for the kingdom of God because that's what makes life, life in Jesus Christ. I just want all of us to have this beautiful relationship with God. I wish I could gift you the relationship that God has given me. Here's the last one. The greater the debt, the sin and the struggle, the greater the grace. And I'm thankful for that grace. But don't let, you don't have to have my life to receive all that God has. God has it all. The spirit is there. Take it down into your heart right now. Pull it down. Here's some application, and they're really just questions. Is your life generously given away, Jesus? If you've been in church more than five or 10 years and you haven't talked to somebody about Jesus, you haven't invited them to church, you haven't been in the grocery line or at Starbucks or you know, asking someone about Jesus Christ, I'm challenging you, not for this church, but for the kingdom of God and your walk in Jesus Christ. Be generous with Christ. 
Here's another question. Is your mindset lacking or limited in this poverty mindset? Are you in that poverty? Did you see yourself in one of those? If so, Christ doesn't have full access to you. You've kind of walled off some some spaces in your heart. And I just ask during this song and during this prayer that you would open up access to that. The Spirit is here. It's here. Do you guys feel it? And all you got to do is invite them in. And here's the last one. A life laid down is a generous posture. And for some, it's just standing up and putting your hands on. And for others, it's just sitting in the seat and giving God more access and saying, I'm going to draw a line and sand. For others, it's dancing around and claiming Jesus as we sing this last song. And for some, it's just coming up here and laying their life down. And during this song, I'm hoping that you let the spirit reign deepen in your heart. It's not what the clay jar is made of, it's what's inside of us and he's here and he wants to take more space than he's ever taken in your heart. Let's pray. Father, we ask for a prayer of Jabez that you will take new territory in someone's life today. That there's one person that they will lay their life down and they will be bro- uh, they will see the broken chains set free. There's freedom in the name of Jesus and in this song and in the spirit. And Father, we pray for those that are online that they feel the spiritual power right now and that they, re- they worship and they lay down their life for the kingdom of God. If someone's here that doesn't know you, all you have to do is confess and receive. The Bible says, if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart, I can be saved. And here's a prayer that we use to do that. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart, come into my soul and be my Lord and Savior. You died on the cross for me and you rose again so that I can be with you in eternity. Holy Spirit, take over my body, every part of me, my mind, my body and soul, every inch and receive me. In Jesus' name, amen.